Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for clicking on this episode and joining us here at the Melanated Intellects Podcast. My name is Patrice. And my name is Shayla. We are here to talk about everyday melanated topics while bringing a distinct intellectual perspective. Thanks so much for joining. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Thanks so much for clicking on this episode. Um, So this will be um, another cold case. Um, Our first one was on Kendrick Johnson, and if you haven't checked out that episode, please do. But essentially, our cold cases are, um, they're not a whodunit, right? Um, But they are unsolved um, cases involving melanated people who, um, and a lot of times, just haven't gotten the publicity that we feel they deserve. Um, Nothing against those who are, are, you know, that we do know about and that are well-known, but that's sort of our motivation behind it. And similar to our It's Not Black History Month, we'll be having them periodically throughout um, the season. Um, so this is our next one. Uh, this is March, which is Women's Month. So we did choose to highlight a woman today. Her name is Lavina Johnson. Um, and of course, there's a lot that we'll get into. Um, now, also um, right now, which Patrice has mentioned this before, but we do pre-record. Mm-hmm. And we know right now there's a lot of... Um, controversy around Lauren Smith Fields. Um, we want to shout out, you know, to her family and just give our condolences for their loss and, um, you know, any, anything unsolved when it comes to a loved one, I'm sure is difficult, um, to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know, and if you're not currently following Lauren's, um, case, uh, please make sure that you do. Um, Lauren was, um, founded and there's been a lot of, um, a lot of questionable things in regards to the handling of her case. You know, um, the individual she was dating was an older man who, um, at first the police is accused of calling him a nice guy without him really being, you know, questioned or considered to be a suspect. Um, so there's a lot to follow there, but today we're going to be focusing on, um, Lavina Johnson and Patrice is going to lay it out for us and, and tell us what happened. Um, and she passed some time ago, right, Patrice? Early 2000s? Yeah, like 2005, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and the thing, you know, kind of even touching on Lauren Johnson, you know, we, we see this time and time again, and we want to try to bring publicity to past traumatic events and tragedies, I should say and also current, right? Um, they, the truth is none of them ever get the amount of publicity that they should. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the case of Lavina Johnson, and I just want to kind of put the record that because the case is older, um, a lot of my, there's not much information. Um, in fact, I'm pulling this from two short clips of interviews and also one article. Uh, so one interview takes place on NPR.org and it's called the Soldiers Family Challenges um, Army Suicide Report. Um, and the other interview is like four minutes and it's called the Johnson's Family um, military sexual assault story and is located at the protect our defenders website. Everything will be linked in the, um, description. Um, and the other article that which I found some extra information about her exact ranking, um, as far as where she was, uh, deployed, uh, is on hue and cry. And it's called the death of PFC Lavina Johnson. So again, everything will be linked, but to kind of, uh, Bring and Lavina Johnson. 
She was about a year out of high school. So I believe she was about 19 years old. Um, she grew up in, cannot say this word, y'all know I have a lisp, of Florissant, <laughs> Missouri. I want to oh. say is what pronunciation for it. Okay. Um, with her father, Dr. John Johnson, a service vet veteran, and her mother, Linda Johnson, and her four siblings. I believe she was the only girl from pictures that I saw, if I remember correctly, um, in the interview. Um was she, the she essentially, yes, since she was okay. young, she was a baby. Yeah. Okay. Um, she because there were four kids ahead of her, she decided that to pay for school that she wanted to follow the family tradition and go into and join the U.S. military so they would pay for her education. So this would make her a third generation because her grandfather had also served as well. Um, her father, Dr. John Johnson, um, you know, I always feel like it's so interesting where life takes us. So his actual career, he was a, um, which is his title doctor. He is a psychologist and he worked with, um, drug abuse, drug users. And a part of his training uh, within the U S army was also identifying things like suicide abuse and so on. And, um, I'm trying to get the exact title that he had here. Trained psychologist and a trained professional. So he was actually actively working with the Department of Defense as well. So he couldn't have been a more better trained individual in terms of this situation. But Lavina Johnson, she was deployed to Iraq. She called home every single day, just about. And um, she was only gone maybe some articles say six weeks, some articles say five weeks. So we'll go with six weeks for now. Um, and she was super excited to come home. Uh, she had just found out that in a couple of months she would be restationed closer to home. So she would be able to be home for Christmas. And she told her family not to decorate the tree without her because that was a family tradition at that time. And that was the last time that they spoke to her. Um, shortly after, um, Dr. Johnson and his wife were home and they received a knock at the door and it was another soldier, um, who let them know that Lavina had passed away due to self-inflicted, um, wounds. And that was their exact verbiage. So Dr. John Johnson then replies and says, you know, are you saying my daughter committed suicide? And from there, his, you know, he's already like, how is that possible? I just spoke to her and she was fine, you know, and if anything, he describes in his interviews that she was actually trying to calm them down because they did not want her to enlist. Um, but they supported her of course, but you know, she, so they were always on alert and making sure she was okay. That's why, and they talked mm -hmm. so much. So it, it would have been very difficult as for him as a trained professional, also with military experience, also with suicide um, uh, experience as well, as far as dealing with people who, have, who dealt with suicide, to have missed these signs is mm. basically what he is saying. And as a trained professional, I also believe it would have been very hard for his own daughter to hide this being away only for six weeks mm -hmm. um, as well. 
So um, he then calls out two friends he knew in Iraq, um, uh, who I believe one was a police officer, is what he says, and asks questions about the crime scene. He was told that um, originally that her body was found in her own Fair. barrack. Very, thank, mm-hmm. thank you. You know I was going with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this friend confirms, uh, actually uh, uh, lets him know that he had actually received an email saying that she was not found in the barrack, but actually in a contractor's tent um, that day. And so then that automatically obviously creates suspicion because now we have a discrepancy as far as where the body is located. And he's... You know, I feel like from there, the suspicion continues to raise. Um, and so from there, he hires a top pathologist in St. Louis City to do the autopsy because he wants to know what happened. And unfortunately, the pathologist responds and he says, um, at first he says yes, but then he realizes a good friend of his is actually the one who conducted the original autopsy. And so he says to him, you know, are you telling me you can't be professional? And um, the pathologist says, yeah, I can, I will, I will do it. But he leaves out the the physical damages. So basically all they would tell him originally, the father is that she died using an M16 rifle out in a gunshot to the back of her. I'm sorry, to a gunshot to the face, to her head. Yes. And, um, what they end up finding out is that there were a lot more Um, injuries based off the x-rays and the pictures that were taken of her body in terms of the physical damage. So through this, they were able to see that, you know, although the pictures were black and white, that she had a broken or a broken arm, that she had burns on her body, that her, um, her face had been, um, had broken bones as well. So this is again through x-ray. So, you know, and there's just a path of uh, different steps that Dr. Johnson has to take because from there, he then takes these images and takes them to his brother, who I believe is like a criminal uh, forensic scientist. And then he also evaluates these um, details and all these images. And he also describes that there's evidence of rape burns. There's evidence of um an attempt to destroy the DNA because her body was placed in this tent with a um with the bench flipped over it and the tent was then set on fire. There was a lighter fluid um that was poured on her from like her shoulder down to her thigh. So there was clear evidence that there was not just a gunshot wound. And also, let alone it it didn't line up because uh, this is his daughter and they're talking about a huge rifle, even in the position that they talked about that in which that she would have used to, to do this is still in line because he was saying that her arms were too short to be able to do this. And the bullet wound in her back of her head actually was too small. It was more likely this from a, a handgun, not an actual rifle. So there's tons of suspicion, um, definitely indication of uh, sexual assault because there was burning around the genitals as well. Um, there is also indication of a cover up in terms of the fluid that was used based off some of these images once they're able to convert them to color. And it, it took so 
much. They had to get con- congressional interests as well. They had to go through different VA facilities to get to build up so much information to finally say, like, here is proof that this is not correct. And the military still came back and said it's a suicide. And so today, this tragedy is still ruled, in fact, a suicide. Um, and I just feel for this family because that is pretty much where the case is kind of stonewalled. Um, they still have not received justice. They still have not received any type of validation or acknowledgement from the military. The military has said that should new evidence be presented, that they would definitely reopen the case. But at this time, there's a lot of allegations that are false that are circling the internet, but the military stands behind the disposition of this murder. So that is where it's at. Do you have anything you want to add at this point? Yeah, um, a couple thoughts. So one, you know, it's so sad just in general, obviously, but um, I also know that one of the, um, I don't remember if it was the article or if it was the NPR, but one of them referenced how um, the military originally said that it needed to be a closed casket. And uh, one of her siblings opened the casket anyway. And that's when they found, you know, physically, of course, the x-rays and stuff hadn't been done yet, but that's when physically the x-rays, excuse me, hadn't been done by the outside uh, Mm -hmm. corner that he approached. But they saw the physical they saw the physical bruises and things yeah. of that nature and then that's what kind of set them on another alarm um you know in regards to that um also in the interview the father talks about how you know when he was in the military um you know it wasn't as integrated gender wise mm-hmm. so because uh, the interview kind of asked him some questions around the military and um, women being in the military and, you know, and later on she had an expert come on and talked about the statistics of, you know, um, sexual abuse and things like that when it comes to to women in the military. And he was just like, really, I, I wasn't aware of that because it wasn't like, you know, that wasn't even the case when I was there, but I've become more educated now after the passing of my daughter to understand that mm-hmm. um, because they also mentioned that, um, her um that she that her genitals look like they have surgically been altered in some way mm-hmm. um so there was a, a lot of um evidence to the obvious person right who was reviewing this information some evidence around sexual abuse um so it's just sad like it's just really it's mm-hmm. mind-blowing to think that that could go down and be okay, even with someone as resourceful as her father, because so many of us don't have fathers that are that resourceful. I mean, he right. really, he put together a team, you know, he, he wasn't he playing did. no games, which I understand his motivation, but, you know, most of us don't have that not military or not military, right? We don't have the resources, the knowledge, the know-how, and the people, and, and his results to still be you know, mm-hmm. that her, um, I'm going to officially call it a murder, right? To know that mm-hmm. her murder has still been unsolved, even with all of those resources, is very concerning and scary to me. Yeah. And, you know, it it, it kind of brings you back because there are other cases of women who have, who have been presumed as suicide 
as uh, sorry, their death had been presumed a suicide, but then later after digging into found out there was a murder, there was another high profile case. I want to say maybe just like last year of a, um, I believe it was a Latin woman um, who experienced the same thing. Um, and they, I believe the statistics that we heard were 20% of women who have, uh, who, who, which I guess I should probably read, go back and re-listen to this, but it was 20% of women who enlist a report to the VA, some type of sexual assault or sexual violence. And that's just who comes forward. And that's after retirement. They believe that it is double that that actually happens um, at a much higher rate. And, and that's super disheartening. I'm sure for this father who is who sent his baby to the same organization that he had enlisted in, he, he described that he felt betrayed. Absolutely, I can understand that. Um, they also asked him, you know, some questions around what do you think really happened? You know, and he was just like, um, he believes it's just a cover up for someone who was high ranking um, or definitely higher ranking than she was. And, um, you know, the military protected them. You know, that's essentially what he said or what he felt um, had happened. Um, And then on the NPR, they had an expert kind of come on and she's been an advocate for uh, particularly women in the military around Mm -hmm. this subject matter. And, um, and of course this was, I I would have, I mean, this was years ago, right? So I don't know Mm -hmm. politically who would have been around at that time, but she was saying that, um, she kind of challenged that the military handled their own cases. Like, you know, cause that's rule. If you don't know, the military handles their own, they have Mm -hmm. a whole system just dedicated to them and them only. And she was challenging some of the rules around that, or if it should still be that, and to try to make this something that can become something that we like vote on and go to our, you know, um, our politicians about. And, you know, um, that was my first time hearing that be suggested. So maybe for me, I just I'm not aware um, mm-hmm. and I don't and I don't have military in my family. So maybe I'm just not aware. But um, I haven't heard that come up on like a ballot or, you know, go up, you know, and maybe I'm just missing it. But um you know, this happened early 2000s. And like you said, there's been plenty of other situations. So um, I don't know. I'm like, why hasn't that been brought up as more of a, you know, look, is there, can it be a third party? Can there be, you know, and perhaps it doesn't mean the military does, doesn't do their own investigations, but is there something in there to prevent uh, cover-ups from possibly happening? I feel like it's kind of like, internal affairs with police, right? Yeah, like internal affairs yeah. are supposed to be, you know, a separate and neutral entity. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like I, I am not aware of, um, that ever becoming a actual ballot or voting opportunity for any state, um, at any level. Um, do I think that investigations should take place from a third party entity? I do. Um, especially given the, the consistencies behind these tragedies and the reporting, there's data to back this up and victims and families and livelihoods that are impacted by it. Um, and, but I don't know a politician 
that would stand on that. That's true. Um, I sure don't uh, know a politician that would stand on that. Um, but I also don't know that I've, and maybe just because I'm not in that world, I haven't seen it be asked though either. You know, I mean, obviously yeah. this woman asked for it right on this interview, but like I haven't seen a lot of attention around it being asked, right? Because like sometimes yeah. there are things that certain social groups ask for that, you know, deep down, like no politician's ever going to have that, but it starts the conversation, right? right. Um, and so, and perhaps regular civilians wouldn't be involved in that decision-making. I don't know if it would be an act or a bat, you know, an issue on a ballot. I don't know how that would show up or what that could show up as, but um, I would love for there to be some more attention around it um, mm -hmm. and some more, some more um, well-known advocacy around it because perhaps it's happening and just, you know, if, maybe if you're not part of the military community, you just don't know. It feels very difficult to do. Um, that's what yeah. it feels like. It feels like a wall. It feels like, like, like similar to what you said with IA. Um, and it feels like by even insinuating this, I would imagine for a politician or any high profile individual would essentially be speaking that the military can't be trusted or the military, you know what I'm saying? I feel like it would feed a narrative around that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> the military is still the U.S. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like this is not an uncommon situation that this is not a nuanced thing. This is not even a shocker for most people. It, it But I think that these type of tragedies without action and prevention will always continue. Mm -hmm. And like to the father's um, point, even in his days, it was not integrated. So you're talking about some of the first generation high profile woman and LGBTQIA plus individuals enlisting and experiencing these things because the, they are becoming more diverse, but they don't have the culture for it. it, it to me, it sounds, it, it kind of brings me back to the conversation we had. And I do not remember what episode it was where we said, let's integrate whatever and we open up the floodgates and, but we don't have anything to make sure that that takes place seamlessly and mm -hmm. no one experiences disadvantages or any type of, um, tragedy or any type of discrimination. There's no type of policy. There's no organization. There's no support there to make sure they have someone to go to, to ensure that because everybody's not going to be on the same page. Not everybody is going to be cool with seeing a woman running up and down these hills, doing the same things that other men do at this time. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? That it's a different time. And you're asking for some of the first to walk into male dominated spaces and do and perform at the same level. So I feel like that's going to come with bullshit. It just, it just is. And it clearly does. These women are being attacked. These individuals are being, uh, there's, there's like, there's stories about hazing. There's stories about sexual violence, sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, all of the above bullying, all of that. And I feel like just the more you cover that up or the more you act like it's not there, you are not helping and there's nothing, I, I, the thing is people are people at the end of the day. And this is the world that we live in, unfortunately. In these cases with these 
black men, women, and, and children who are, who are dying and they're not receiving justice. Not every single time does it feel like they're dying because they're black, but I feel like it is a lot easier to pass them aside or not dive into the story or actually bring the family's justice because they are minorities. It feels that way because I feel like I'm seeing a consistency at this point. And um, it, it's, it's not right. It's not fair. It's not right. And this father, I, I read later and um, that he starts to receive, um, I think he starts to experience heart trouble and um, due to some medical issues, he did had to he had to slow down his um, own personal investigations into this. But I'm sure this has got to be hard for him. No family mm-hmm. should even have to do all of this to get justice. Mm-hmm. If somebody does wrong, you it, it, justice. Like, are you, yeah. Let me stop. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, and even um, even in the Kendrick Johnson case. Um, we talked about, you know, that the family is really putting in work and using all the resources that they know and reaching out to all that they know and getting, a, you know, another opinion from, you know, coroners and reaching out to third party investigators. And, you know, it's um, it I would imagine it's a lot of work and effort um, to get these things done. And then, you know, of course, in these two cases still, you know, not have someone really take um, a second look, I'm sure it's very painful and I'm sure they feel unheard um, mm-hmm. and unrecognized. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you as far as, you know, people would be viewing that as an attack against, um, you know, um, the military and how they do things. And, and I'm not at all suggesting you're like, oh, military, they don't need to handle their stuff no more. But I think, I think, um, something might be able to be done yeah. like right like what what does that look like you know is it a, mm-hmm. is it I don't, I don't believe the police are the right have the right resources to be able to take on military investigations neither but i do think that's that there true. should be a special force entity that should take this on this maybe third party or right. you know what i mean right. separate or a check and balance so like they handle their own but then it goes to get audited i, mm-hmm. I mean i don't know something um you know it's, it's not an autism in the message that the military can't be trusted but i think it is to say like hey there has to be checks and balances yeah, right everywhere um, everywhere everywhere mm-hmm. that is that is natural crime is everywhere right period right, right. if to say that that's not needed to say crime doesn't exist or that these blue walls or the uniform doesn't create its own shield. You literally, you build this entity on brotherhood, soldier, having one one another's back in battle. That is a different type of lineage. So you should ex, you should expect the possibility that there will be a bias. Mm. Oh, I see what you mean. Against yeah people who are not from that. Okay, got it. From minority like women. Uh, well, just just a bias when it comes like, okay, for example, if I find out that Shayla, you committed a crime, I'm there's no way Shayla committed a crime. That's I know this person. You know oh, what I'm saying? Like, you want me to investigate Shayla? Like, you know mm. what I mean? Like, I, I can speak for her character. There's no way impossible hell. And some people are to the point where they're like, you know, me and you having our background be like don't you make me pick between my job and you but you know I mm. but I feel like some people do especially when you're dealing with a lineage like a uniform where you're putting your life on the line 
where you're standing next to this person, you expect to have each other's back. I feel like it should be definitely expected that there's a possibility that there will be a bias in terms mm. of investigating one another. Mm. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And I there agree. should be prevention measures in place um, to prevent that. It's uh, you, you, you literally are teaching this lineage and this, this, brother Brotherhood. sisterhood military force to have each other's back on the line of duty and you, you should expect that to be the case that there will be a bias somebody's going to overlook something someone's not going to take something as seriously especially for somebody who's only been in the military for six weeks and does not have the amount of relationships to back her up and have her back if something were to happen to her yeah agree agree yeah i could see that um yeah it's sad um it's sad and it's been a long time you know, yeah, 20, almost 20 years, years, pretty much. Yeah. A little less than 20 years. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't imagine, you know, what her family is going through or are still going through, um, mm. around not having it solved in that way. That's saddens me. Um, so yeah, yeah, her story is tragic. There, there is supposed to be a um, documentary. I believe it's called Silent Truth on her story. I was not able to access it for some reason. Amazon told me I could not access it from my area. I don't know what that is about. Um, but um, for those who would like to see a documentary, there is that. I feel like there was some type of Dateline, 60 Minutes or something like that special on it too, but I could not find it. Um, but is Silent Truth about her specifically, or is it yeah. about women in the military in general? Oh, I believe it's her right. story. From what, I, from what I read, it kept being referenced in different articles when I was trying to find more information on it. Um, but uh, it's, yeah. I hope for um, healing for this family as much as they, and I mean, there's siblings, there's, she was somebody's daughter, she was somebody's niece, you know. Um, granddaughter all of that so I, I i pray for healing for this family for sure because that cannot be easy if my sister any of my sisters which just one day you know i have this level of uncertainty and suspicion i can't talk today suspicion around their death and then I open up a casket to discover that their nose is broken and their lips are cut and their face is bruised and their teeth are smashed in. Whew. I, I, I don't. Mm, mm-mm. Nope. No, no, no. This family. Uh, whew. Yeah. Prayers for them for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely yeah. prayers for them. Prayers for um Lauren's family or any family that has had yeah. to, um, you know, experience something like this is just, it's just unfortunate, um, military or not, you know, cause, um, yeah. It, and, and it never makes the big headlines. Right. And that's really, you know, and that's why we do these, um, because, um, a lot of times they don't. Now I do think that social media has become, um, helpful in bridging that gap right than yeah, in the in yeah. the past in history before um but still yeah. they, they don't get the the spotlight the recognition that it, it really should no. um and so you know that's like, where we're here for to help out in the way that we can you know what i mean with our platform um you know i hope that someone listening hears a story about the our, any one of our code cases that they didn't know before right that's the point yeah. right that like you want to spread awareness 
Right. And, you know, even, I hate to be the umpteenth person to say it, but when Gabby's horrific murder was taking place, the way that the coverage was everywhere, all day, news coverage consistently between her, I cannot pronounce the last name. Sorry, guys. I just, y'all don't want to hear me butcher that. But um, between her tragic disappearance to the scandal around the boyfriend and everything else and him being on the run. Like we knew it play by play, every single thing. And that applied pressure. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? When you have a suspect at large, that type of media attention where everyone knows about it, everyone sees your face in the news or everyone is aware of the situation, that applies pressure. It causes people who were around that time or around that person or the victim to ask themselves questions. Mm-hmm. And to unpack things that maybe they didn't notice in the moment that they did notice that could be relevant to the case. So I feel like when you have that big media attention, you're drawing so much more awareness around it. And that's why it's so important, you know, to say their names, to bring this awareness. It's not just because we want to just talk about it, but it's, it's trying to apply pressure here you know, to Mm. get these cases solved. Um, So I hope this, even if it's just our podcast, even in which I saw there were plenty, a lot of podcasts that covered these stories, but even if it's, you know, any way that we can do so with the platforms that we have, you know, I hope it adds some level of pressure to get things done. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. If not for this case, the next one, something, someone, um, don't want to end up on a melanated cold case conversation. You don't want to hear of us unpacking this, okay? Do your jobs, friends. Do your jobs. Yeah, I would love if, um, you know, any sort of cold case like that years later, if it was resolved, you know. Yes. Um, because of us or not because of us, it wouldn't, wouldn't matter. Just just um, to have that closure, even if it, unfortunately, it would have to take a long time, but even if it took a long time to have that sort of closure, mm-hmm. I think um, is big, so... Yeah, um, I mean, you yeah. think about Malcolm X, who killed Malcolm X. That causes yeah. kids to be reopened and those three to be exonerated. That's true. That's what yeah. it takes. You got to apply pressure. You know? Yeah. So, take care of your loved ones, friends. Um, oh, so did you have anything else you want to add? Nope, I think that's okay. all. All right. Thank yes. you guys so much for listening. Yep, yep. Say her name, Lavina Johnson, Lauren Smith. Continue to follow her story. And y'all take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye.